Hi, I'm Brandon Poe, founder of Poe Group Advisors and creator of the Accounting Practice Academy. You are listening to the Accountant's Flight Plan Podcast, where we talk about stuff in the accounting world. If you're looking to buy or sell a practice, we are the premier accounting practice intermediary firm in the industry. Check us out at pogroupadvisors.com. If you're a firm owner looking to build a more profitable practice while actually reducing owner hours, sign up for our practice management workshop, which only runs a few times per year. Learn more at accountingpracticeacademy.com. Hi, welcome to Accountants Flight Plan Podcast. I'm very excited to introduce you to a guest, Ravi Patel, who sold, excuse me, purchased uh, in 2022 a practice, and now he's come through his first tax season. So we want to check in with Ravi, see how things are going. Uh, Ravi, please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Hi, I'm glad to be on with you and uh, speak with you and discuss my experience of uh, purchasing a practice. Uh, like you said, my name is Ravi Patel. I'm the CEO and founder of King Grant Financial. We're a full service CPA firm from bookkeeping to tax prep, as well as uh, tax planning and all the ancillary services like payroll, sales tax filings. And I've been doing it for about five years now and growing and had an excellent opportunity last year with uh, one of the firms that that you had listed and we moved forward and it's been amazing experience. Awesome. Well, how, how did you, I like to ask my guests how they chose public accounting, like why did you become a CPA? What, what led you to this path? Right. Well, for me, it was a little bit different. Um, My father was a CPA. He started his firm in the early 90s, I believe 91. Um, He'd been doing it for years and I was obviously exposed to that, Um, doing a little bit of bookkeeping here and there um, in the summers and things like that. Um, My high school actually offered college level accounting classes that you got credit from for um, taking them in high school. So I did those and that's, I kind of knew that I wanted to do accounting. So undergrad, I pursued a bachelor's in accounting in New Jersey. That's where I'm originally from. I went to Fairleigh Dickinson and um, graduated, took my CPA and, and went from there. So you decided kind of early on, which is... yeah. 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 Well, I, I wanted some um, uh, postgraduate education. I went to law school. Um, I never intended on practicing law, but kind of just wanted that in my back pocket. Yeah. Nice. Well, I, I can tell, you know, from our experience working with you, we had a great experience. We knew when we put you together with the client, um, Bill and Chris Murphy, uh, they, you know, it was a it was a fit fairly early on. So, I guess from your experience, like when did you know, hey, this seems like a good fit for us? Like this seems like the type of practice that we've been looking for. Um, there's a few c- criterias I was looking at, um, and those all fit. So one of them was being I wanted. Of kind of a full service bookkeeping firm 
um, to add on to my existing firm because because that's the kind of model we had. We had a kind of a subscription model with monthly a package of monthly services, and Bill and Chris's uh, firm fit that mold perfectly for us. The uh, other thing was it was small businesses, but small businesses that needed a little bit extra service, right? Not all firms offer that. Um, it's oftentimes you have, you can offer cheapest services and then kind of in the middle to high tier where you're catering to the client's needs in terms of their financial reporting needs um, outside of just preparing the book so you can file a tax return. Yeah. So it just checked all the boxes, basically. That was yes, yes. Strong staff um, with years of experience in various different fields. Um, we have uh, a couple ladies that are retired from the Department of Revenue that Bill had hired with uh, exceptional experience. So that kind of stuff uh, plays a big factor. Yeah. Now, had you looked at? a number of firms before deciding on this one or? Yeah, we, we looked at a, a bunch of firms. Obviously there, there are so many out there. So there's the, the revenue size, the size of the firm that has to fit your kind of mold. Um, we were looking for something right there in the middle, um, not nothing too small and then nothing huge either. Nothing like a three, $4 million revenue firm. Um, we were not at that stage to absorb that. Yeah. So it was the right size, checked all the boxes. Now, once you met with them, um, I guess what was what was on your mind in the first meetings that you had with the seller? Uh, how did you get comfortable with them and how do you feel like they got comfortable with you? I think the biggest thing was when we first met in, we had a phone conversation, then we met in person. Um, I know I've spoken to Bill, the seller, about this as well. That first meeting kind of dictated everything. We kind of knew we were the, he knew we were the perfect buyer and we knew they were the, the perfect seller. And it will, a lot of it, when it clicks, it's when they're open about everything, um, the pros, the cons, you know, uh, of their firm, where they think they can improve. And a lot of the times a seller isn't in a position, whether they're retiring, they don't want to put that time investment, maybe money investment to make those improvements. They know those are areas that need improvement. And when they identify those and tell you, hey, you can make these improvements and really streamline the firm and take it to the next level. And Bill and Chris were kind of on top of that, that they knew the potential and they were, they were open and honest about the whole, throughout the whole process. Yeah. Yeah. That, that honesty is essential in getting a deal done, right? You've got to have that high level of trust and it's got to go both ways. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I tell you one thing that I commented on is you are calm. Like sometimes buyers, as they're especially like right before the closing and as they're contemplating transition with staff announcements and client announcements, there's just some natural nervousness. And um, I mean, maybe you had nervousness that we couldn't tell that we didn't see, but you were very calm. 
And, um, There's always a little bit of anxiety, but this was my third acquisition. So after the first one, it kind of, you, you, you know what to expect and you know what to do going in and you know what the next 30 days, 60 days, 90 days is going to look like after closing. Yeah. What were some of the mistakes you made on your earlier acquisitions that you were like, I'm not going to do that again? Or what could you tell people who are contemplating buying not to do or to do? Um, I would say one thing that I look at now, if I was going to acquire practice, I wouldn't say I kind of got away with it with the first two acquisitions and even the third one, but we, we did our due diligence was um, spending the time doing the due diligence. But oftentimes what happens is you get so nitty gritty into it that you get scared off from, from, from the acquisition because it's already a daunting task, especially if it's your first purchase, maybe you're leaving a job to buy another firm and obviously you have to do the due diligence, but if the numbers make sense, they, they make sense. You shouldn't nitpick um, little areas and you're going to have fluctuation 10, 20% uh, uh, down, but you make it up. You always make it up. Um, you add clients. It's just the nature of the business, you know, but oftentimes people get scared off from little things they find. Um, yeah. But for me, it's really just identifying those and they become areas that you can improve and make the business better. And now that value you're adding to your business, you know? Right. What do you think um, gave you a lot of confidence to, I mean, you purchased three firms that takes confidence. It takes confidence to buy. Mm -hmm. Is there a particular skill set that your team has or or your family has that you feel like gives you that confidence to, to, to do what you're doing? Yeah. So um, obviously, like I said, my father, he started the firm, his firm 30 years ago and uh, all that experience, it, it, it kind of just flows to me. We share, we discuss, um, we, have, we brainstorm different ideas, different uh, practices that are available for sale, but um, once you get down to the numbers, once, once they make sense, it, it, there's no, nothing, no going around it, you know, right. but I think the, the biggest thing it, with CPA firm practices is, and it doesn't make sense, but if you're, if you're in private practice, nine times out of 10, the money is way better than if you were at a big four or even a, a regional firm, you know? Um, you just can't, even a smaller practice, I mean, even a two, $300,000 practice, you can run yourself and have a lot more time and, and, uh, make more money. Yeah. Yeah. No, those are good. I mean, it sounds like your dad's been a good mentor for you, which absolutely I, um, that's something I always did early on in my career is I always sort of looked for mentors and, it sounds like you had a good one with your dad who had a practice since 91 and definitely knew the ropes. And um, so, and this was a family affair, right? Your sister. Yeah. And yeah, my sister just joined um, 
a little over a year ago. So she she was working in New York City. Now she handles the operation. She was a she was a dean at a charter school, but um, she has experience in in as a dean, just operational and stuff like that. And um, within a few months, she kind of hit the ground running, learned the business, learned the accounting side of it because she wasn't exposed to that like I was. Yeah. You know, just simple things like how the whole procedure of payroll or yeah. sales tax or tax returns, you know, things like that. So, yeah, no, so now she's, a, she's a, a key member of the team. Right. Well, you know, I think people are intrigued by the fact that you bought three firms and together you've really built a nice, pretty sizable small firm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you see as sort of the advantages of, of growth through acquisition? Um, bottom line number, uh, you, you see uh, cash flow from day one. It's as simple as that, you know, um, it's really, really hard to switch accountants as for small businesses. If you're an individual, that's fine. You're just doing your individual return. But if you're a business and firm owners know this, uh, it's really hard to switch accounting firms. It's a, it's a whole process that a business owner oftentimes doesn't want to undertake because they're focused on their business. So um, when you buy a new firm and we spoke to all of our clients, Bill and I and Chris and I um, spoke to all of our clients, uh, some of them we met at their businesses and they felt comfortable. And most people aren't going to, oh, you sold, I'm out. Most people aren't like that because it just doesn't make sense. They're going to see what you have to offer, right? And the ones that leave, you probably don't want them as clients anyways, because <laughs> those are the clients that eat up most of your time as a firm owner and, and don't contribute significantly to the bottom line. Um, but when they give you a chance, you you show them what you can offer and, and usually... Uh, with a firm like Chris and Bell, if it's business as usual, you're fine. If it's a firm that, um, like the second firm I purchased, was night and day. It was it was that firm. If I had not purchased it, I don't think it would have existed in six months. They probably would have had to close the doors. They had a great clientele, great client base, but weren't able to. Uh, the previous owner wasn't able to uh, structure it, get the most out of the team. We still have the same staff, um, same core people, and the service just dramatically improved. And we get great feedback from our clients now. And oftentimes now our clients do the marketing for us. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, it sounds like you got some pretty good just practice management and skills and probably your dad's been instrumental in helping get you with the right mindsets and approaches. And that's so key. Now you mentioned staff, you kept everyone. Um, can you speak a little bit to staff retention when you're doing an acquisition? Yeah. With um, staff retention, it's a little different, right? It's, it's more a softer approach there. They've worked there for oftentimes many years. They're comfortable with what they have with the current ownership. And then you coming in and buy, 
Um, now they're thinking, okay, is my job secure? What's going to happen? Am I going to like working here with the new for the new owner? And oftentimes it's just spending a little more time with your staff, getting them comfortable. Hey, it's business as usual. There's no major changes. And right, we we told our staff right off the bat, um, we were happy with them and, and no one was getting fired. Um, and, and they're comfortable, they're happy. And it lets, and at the same time, we let them know that, hey, there are gonna be things that we're changing and those changes are gonna be for the better. And you may not see them right away, but you will down the road. And when they stick around and, and go through those changes and they see, oh, okay, now I'm saving three hours a week on this task. Um, just because of this change and, and they see that and they appreciate it. Yeah. Well, and I would say if, if anyone is, is listening, be calm, like Ravi, like just be calm. <laughs> like, I think that, no, really that calm demeanor and that confidence so helpful with staff and with clients and just, you know, just having a, you know, if, if you're confident, that kind of spreads to the whole uh, all the other people involved in the acquisitions. So. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, you have to hold it down and and kind of that gives them that confidence that, hey, everything's going to be okay. Yeah, yeah. So, well, awesome. Uh, one more couple of, well, just a couple of quick questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you reading anything or have you read anything lately that you would, could share with our audience? Just uh, books that you might have yeah, um, I actually just what was it? I just um, started reading this book by uh, Jeff Hoffman and David Finkel. It's called Scale, and that's all. It's not specific to accounting. Um, it's more uh, business management geared, and it focuses on how you can scale your business. And by scale, I mean really, really scale. And it kind of comes down to processes. And that's what we've really focused on. And that's what we're going to be focusing on this year is some of the bigger processes we've already processed out. And we're we're good with those. But some of the smaller ones, we really want to get strong processes in place with controls in place and um, let that kind of take over. Yeah. Gives you that freedom that you need as an owner to continue to scale. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Need some time off, right? Awesome. Yeah, the the biggest thing I think is with firm owners is they get too involved with the the day to day, the nitty gritty with clients and things like that. And there's only so many hours you have in a in a day or in a year that if you focus on that, you kind of hit a limit. And that's why you see a lot of firms in that half a million to a million dollar revenue range, it, that's the biggest thing. Yeah, they can't get past that ceiling. Mm-hmm. And you do have to build those processes to, to scale. And um, I think Bill and Chris had done a pretty good job of yeah with that. There was there was um, good processes in place when you bought that. Yeah. So anything else you'd like to share with our audience before we close off? Um, I would say the biggest thing is if you're looking to purchase a practice, uh, 
don't be scared. Uh, sometimes you have to take that leap. And I would say, and, and my father said it so many times to me and so many other folks that um, he knew that were looking to buy a practice is you have to, you have to, you have to make that jump. You have to do it. And then once you're in it, there, there's no going back and you'll figure everything out on the way. Um, it, it's, you don't see some, you don't see people buying practices and then going out of business, you know, <laughs> you, you figure it out that there's always going to be, uh, ups and downs and hurdles and, and you just take it as a business owner and, and how you learn from it and grow from it. That's the biggest thing. Awesome. Yeah. Ravi, thank you so much. Appreciate you sharing your experience. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for listening to the Accountant's Flight Plan Podcast. If you like what you heard today, please follow us so that you can get updates when new episodes are released and share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. You can also follow Poe Group Advisors on social media. Please visit our website for more information at pogroupadvisors.com.